Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. Mary Magdalene. 
When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Here is your son. And to the disciple, Here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, for the sun stopped shining. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah. Later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. But the rest said, Leave him alone now. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him and take him down. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he said this, he bowed his head and gave up his life. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open, and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs, and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. The centurion who stood there in front of Jesus and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened. They were terrified, yet they praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. Surely he was the Son of God. When all the people who had, who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him stood at a distance. They included many women who had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger and Joseph, and Salome the mother of Zebedee's sons. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jews did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth and he testifies so that you also may have faith. These things happen so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. This is the gospel of our Lord. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, dear Christian friends, why are you here? Why do you get up on Sunday mornings and get dressed up and come here? Why do you set aside six Wednesdays in February and March to come here? It's nice to 
have a little soup, enjoy some snacks, get to see friends with whom we have a, a unique bond, a unique friendship in the bond of faith? The answer really is very simple. It all boils down to and centers on what we are looking at this evening. We want to see Jesus. Those are the words we hear tonight from, from maybe a somewhat unlikely source. Some Greek converts to the Jewish faith. And those words prompt Jesus to reiterate his purpose to bring life to all of us. We read from John chapter 12, beginning at verse 20. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. This event likely took place on Tuesday of Holy Week, which we sometimes call Teaching Tuesday. Jesus had spent the day in the temple courts teaching. And, and after this, really, we hear nothing again until the preparation for the Passover celebration on Maundy Thursday. The day before, on Monday, Jesus had gone into these same temple courts, overturning the tables of the money changers, driving out those animals to be used for sacrifices. And that courtyard that Jesus had cleansed, that was likely where these Greeks were. Because while they were allowed to participate in Jewish worship, they were not allowed into the interior of the temple. They had to stay in the, the outside courtyards, a place that was once again more conducive to worship and prayer because of Jesus the day before. So that these Greeks, they would have learned the Old Testament. They would have learned the, the promises about the coming Messiah and having heard about all that Jesus had done, maybe seen some of it with their own eyes, they were asking the same question that so many others were asking. Could this be the Messiah? And they wanted to know for themselves. And so they had a simple request. We want to see Jesus. They went and asked Philip. We're not sure exactly why. Philip is a Greek name. Bethsaida in Galilee is maybe a, a more familiar location, not in the heart of Judaism, the Jewish religion outside, around Jerusalem. So it's possible they either thought or knew that Philip was maybe a little more understanding of them and their request. Whatever the reason, though, they approached Philip and made this respectful request. We want to see Jesus. 
you might think that Philip would have been, well, let me go get him. But that's not what Philip did. And, and I think we can maybe understand his hesitation. He went to go find Andrew, and, and I wonder if it's because he knew, he had heard Jesus say that he had come, he, Jesus, had come for Israel. He had heard Jesus tell his disciples explicitly when he sent them out, do not go among the Gentiles. Go instead to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But then he had seen Jesus heal and teach and minister to so many people who were not Jews, who were Gentiles, that, that I wonder if there was a conflict in Philip's heart, an uncertainty of how he should handle this request. So he went and told Andrew, and after they conferred, they together went and told Jesus. So what would you expect Jesus' response to be? These Greeks, right, outside the sheep pen, have come to find their Savior? Yes! Right? Maybe at least, you know, some kind of welcome or a little bit of happiness? But it seems as though Jesus didn't even address them. He didn't even talk directly to them. Instead, he spoke generically to the, to the whole crowd that was gathered, talking about his purpose. Because he saw this was another sign along the path that led to his final steps to make the payment for sin. Jesus continued with the phrase, right? Truly, very truly, I tell you. Which, if you grew up with a different Bible translation, right, maybe you... You remember, verily, verily, I say unto you, or very truly, I tell you. This is kind of a, a, a specific um, way of speaking, calling attention to what is about to, um, about to come out of Jesus' mouth. That what he's about to say was both important and profound, and he didn't want anyone then or now to miss it. Because Jesus knew what was coming. He wasn't blissfully unaware, sitting in the temple courts teaching of, of what lay just on the other side, just 48 hours down the road. No, he knew the betrayal that was awaiting. The beating, the hitting, the mocking, the hate, the cross. He knew what was coming, but instead of bemoaning it, instead of begrudging it, Jesus explained it was his purpose. He did so, though, using kind of a different picture, right? Did you hear what he said? Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Jesus is referring to himself. He is that kernel of wheat, that single seed that would go to the cross and die for all of us. Jesus is that kernel of wheat that would be placed in the tomb on that Good Friday afternoon. And Jesus is that kernel of wheat that would be raised from the dead again on Easter Sunday to prove he has brought life. Not life just for himself, but life for all of us. 
Jesus is that single kernel of wheat, that single seed that the Apostle Paul was talking about in his great song of victory in 1 Corinthians 15. Right? But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. See, this is why you and I, we don't need to be afraid of death. God doesn't want us to be reckless and, and test him and, and abuse our bodies. But it, we don't need to be afraid, right? Because as branches connected to the vine of Jesus, we know that whenever he calls us from this life, it's to give us a gift of better life, of eternal life, of perfect life with him. All because he went into the ground on Friday came out again victorious on Sunday. That's why Jesus wants us to live today in view of the life that is to come. Because we spend so much of our time and our energy working to, to make lives easy, comfortable, enjoyable, all for ourselves, right? Doing anything and we anything and everything we can for the betterment of, of us. But you heard his words here, right? Anyone who loves their life will lose it. While anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. These sound an awful lot like some other words that Jesus spoke that are maybe more familiar, words that we maybe hear a little more often, words that go like this. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. That's why we're here. We want to see Jesus. Because by grace, God has called us to be his followers. He has grafted us into the vine that we are his disciples, his children by faith in him. That we have a life that lives more concerned about what's to come than what's here and now. A life that is more concerned with heavenly joy than, than earthly comforts. A life that's less concerned about the the what-ifs of today, and more concerned about the how amazing is that going to be of eternity with our God. It means that we strive to use our time and our energy and our resources well and wisely to serve our God with our family and our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers, living boldly with the peace that we have of our sins forgiven and an eternal life with our God. It's a whole lot easier, though, to live for yourself, isn't it? For your own glory, your own comfort, your, your own desires. It's easier to do. And not only is it easier to do it, it just blends right in with everybody else. So you don't stand up, you don't stick out, you don't look different. But we want to see Jesus. That's why we're here. 
We want to see Jesus, and better yet, we have seen him. We've seen him love the unloved. We've seen him care, care for the sick, heal the, the broken and brokenhearted. We've seen him chase after those who were wandering, straying, lost. And we will see him again soon, lifted up, nailed to the cross, making the payment for the sins of a world who stare and gawk who laugh and mock. We see Jesus making the payment for the sins that would disgust us and horrify us. And the sins of loving ourselves more than we love him. Of loving our own comfort and our own ease more than him and his glory. And the joy that he gives us instead of the the joy that we chase after in life. But we want to see Jesus. Because we are those people who need the forgiveness he won, the payment he made. We want to see Jesus because we are the people who long for the life, the life that is to come. The life that puts this veil of tears to shame. We long to see Jesus because we are his people who humbly and joyfully serve him because we've been called by him. Because we want to see Jesus and we want others to see him through us. Why are you here? We want to see Jesus. It's really that simple, isn't it? And as you see him, as you see who he is, as you see what he's done for you, for those around you, remember, he didn't come to speak a, a message of, of self-help, self-improvement, but to give his life as a ransom for all of our self-centeredness, our selfishness, our, our self-involvement. He came to give his life not to make today comfortable or tomorrow better, but to give eternity, an eternity in glory with him. He came to give you life, now and forever with him. It's why those Greeks went to go find him. And it's why we're here. We want to see Jesus. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.